Hello Marlins fans and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes, the very first where the Miami Marlins are actually in Miami this season. How about that? They'll be home tonight against the Braves. I am your producer Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish. And Craig, how you doing on this Friday morning as the Marlins are finally back in Miami? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited obviously. Jeremy, this has been almost five months to the day since I've seen a Major League Baseball game in person live. The last Crazy. game that I was at was at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, and the Marlins were playing the Yankees, and I was broadcasting live from SportsGrid for the game, doing a two-hour show. And I remember, uh, you know, I always, after I'm done with my shows, I always go sit right behind home plate, take some video, and, and see what I could see. And I remember looking to my left, looking to my right, and thinking... Yeah, there's, you know, it doesn't seem like really there's anything serious going on with this pandemic. Hmm. I don't think it's going to be that much. I don't think it's going to be anything, really. I'm looking around. Everyone's having a good time. And that was it. Right. <laughs> and that was and that was the last game that I was at. So certainly uh, Friday and Saturday, I'll, I'll be at attendance at Marlins Park. And as I've stated before, I'll, I'll try certainly to get to as many games as I possibly can. Um, given the the nature of what's going on, I have to be careful, of course, for myself mm. and for my family as well. But Marlins Park in general has been one of the safest places and one of the places that I have felt most comfortable in outside, certainly a different story. But inside, there's no question that they have created a very safe environment for the media and the players alike. Right. And you know, getting back there, I, I remember my last game, which was the last game that the Marlins had played in spring training. So it will be exciting to get back out to watch some live baseball. And speaking of live baseball, we're going to go back for a second. We're going to talk about the series that just happened. Obviously, the Marlins uh, lost their series to the Mets, but then split with the Blue Jays. And in their second game, had one of the most electric up and down games that has happened in a Marlins regular season game in a long time in baseball in a long time back and forth they had an eight run lead then it's tied then they have another lead then it goes to extras and you've got all sorts of players playing well for the Marlins right now Jesus Aguilar's hitting great Brian Anderson's been great Manary Sierra has been terrific Craig what are your thoughts on how that series went for the Marlins in Buffalo against Toronto which was the first major league baseball game in Buffalo and you know, a hundred some odd years. All your thoughts on that Toronto series and and the success of those players? Yeah, and I want to say a couple of things before we get to to that specifically. The first thing is that I I think that the the games in Buffalo may play out a lot more like the one we saw the second game. And and mm-hmm. this is no indictment on any player in particular. Marlins, uh, Blue Jays, they hit seven home runs in that game. Uh, I I don't think that that. <laughs> I don't think that that is going to be a rare occurrence. Uh, Travis Shaw hit two home runs in that game as well. I do like Shaw, but, uh, you know, again, uh, you're just seeing things that we haven't seen outside of Coors Field. And I think that that park in Buffalo could be similar to that. So I'm not going to put a lot into that game specifically. We all know what the Marlins are up against at this point. They're 18 players down, essentially eight or nine bullpen guys down. And now two more bullpen guys down because Blyer is clearly out probably for the year is a guess. Mm. Uh, and, and, and Morin got hurt too. I don't think we'll see him again. Hopefully for both of those guys, we will. But again, this is not a six month season. It's a, it's a now a month season essentially. So they're doing everything they possibly can and, and the bullpen, they'll be up against it in terms of talent. There's no doubt about that. So that's the first thing is that I wouldn't look too much into that game specifically. They were fortunate to win. The Blue Jays made some very, 
unorthodox mistakes all over the field in that game. And their manager after the game essentially called them out and said defensively it's been, uh, you know, he didn't use the word disaster, but I, I watched their entire post game there. And essentially the reporters were just going in on them about mm. the defensive manager, Charlie Montoya had nothing to say except for, yeah, I mean, we, we did not play well at all. It has to get better and, <laughs> and period end of story. Uh, credit the Marlins though. Hey, they went up eight, nothing. Had they not, they probably would have lost. So they end right. up splitting with the blue Jays. You're absolutely right. Uh, Jesus Aguilar has been a huge surprise for me. I did not think that we would see this at all from him. I was pretty clear on that. Yeah. And so it only has been a couple of weeks, but there's no doubt that at least the early results have been really good. And he's been able to turn on the ball and hit the ball to right field too, which is something we didn't see at all from him last year. So definitely encouraging for sure. I still think long-term he's a designated hitter, but for the time being, he is playing very well. In addition to Aguilar, what left can be said about Brian Anderson? He mm. is probably the best player in baseball no one's ever heard of. And, and hopefully that will change at some point. Uh, Anderson, you know, clearly is the best hitter on the Marlins. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I reported a few weeks ago that they had initial discussions about a long-term extension. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Marlins, the longer they wait to do this thing, the more it becomes out of reach because he'll be a free agent. uh, He'll be arbitration eligible and then become a free agent. And if this guy is a top five third baseman in baseball or top three or whatever the case is, I think that he would be uh, less apt to sign an extension Uh, given the nature of the kind of money that players are still being paid. I I don't care what anybody says about what the winner is going to look like. I saw Mookie Betts hit three home runs and two and a month ago, I saw him get $350 million. So I am, I am not convinced that that there is no money to be had. I think there will be. And then the other big positive sign for sure from the hitting perspective, no question has been Magnaris Sierra, who, who was, I think on the verge, if it was a normal season of not being on the team and, he has found, he has basically discovered who he is and not tried to be anybody else, which is a slap hitter, uh, a guy that could hit the ball on the ground, get to first base and outrun Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which you and I could do probably too. <laughs> but either way, uh, Sierra you know, beats, beats Vlad to first base, pops one over the second baseman's head, steals second base, creates some havoc on the bases, forces them to throw down, a run comes home. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. Let's, not, let's not be more than, than he is. And, and you should be optimistic with him because... We haven't seen him do this before, with the exception of two weeks when he was with St. Louis and came to Marlins Park, and I think that was one of the reasons he was in the trade. They saw this guy up close and personal, and he tore apart the Marlins. Uh, He is out of options. I'm not 100% a believer that this is an everyday player in the big leagues, but he can absolutely be a guy that can play two or three days a week if he continues to play the way that he's playing, taking an extra pitch hitting the ball on the ground, finding a way to make the most out of his skill set, which is what he has not done in the past. So those are the positives, Jeremy, uh, that I wanted to start with today. Right, and the, and those three guys in particular, all three of them have needed to do this to, to really have the Marlins sitting where they are at 8-4 and four in first place going into this home series. Aguilar totally outperforming expectations, Sierra as well, and Anderson taking the jump that you know, we discussed hopefully he would take this season, and there it is. He's taken that jump to be clearly the best hitter on that team. Looking on the other side of things, though, unfortunately, since the call-ups of Lewis Brinson and Monte Harrison, they have not performed up to expectations. You know, Brinson coming up and struggling yet again. Harrison has really yet to get things going. Your thoughts there on what Brinson and Harrison are doing on the field, playing mostly center and right field themselves. Yeah, at this point, Jeremy, it's it's really hard to uh, take a lot of positives. I would say from um, from 
both Lewis and, and Monte, since they've been called back up, I don't think there's any question that both players have struggled. Um, you know, Monte in particular has looked a little bit overmatched. I think that we could all agree on that. He struck out six times in a row. And it looks like he's going to need a little bit more time in Jupiter. But right now, they simply have no other options. Maybe Travis Snyder is someone that they would potentially consider calling up and, and playing a little bit. He's He's been a, a good professional hitter in the past, although that was years ago. So uh, not a lot of options there. And in, and in terms of Lewis Brinson, I mean, yeah, you've seen some signs of him taking more pitches and getting on base, but, you know, he still doesn't have a hit. So, you know, I, I think that you, you can find silver linings in everything, but realistically speaking at this point, is that the game plan now for him to go up and, and try and just walk? I, I, I really don't know. I can't say, but this is, you know, to me, it's, it's unfortunately been more of the same and, and still no hits on the season. Some hard hit balls, which is what he, he definitely has hit hard balls in the past too. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that unfortunately there's going to have to be more to be said about that in the future. Uh, and then, you know, the other negative part is, is clearly the pitching. You know, Jordan Yamamoto, who's also being forced into a starting role. They chose to go with Eliezer Hernandez, who looks pretty good. Yamamoto is not somebody that looks like he is built for the rotation long term. He is someone that has to fill in for the time being until they get their players back. Uh, but all things being said, it's it's really hard to find a lot of negative when you go through what the Marlins have gone through and you're losing 18 players and you're sitting at the point now where you're getting ready to have maybe some of them come back soon. And, and that certainly has to be their hope. They're still in first place. So I, I think that if they can turn these little negatives around and find just simply guys who can play and play every day, give you professional at-bats, give you some length in terms of starting pitching, I think that they certainly have a chance to make the postseason, no question. All right, you're sitting at 8-4, and four, 12 games in. It is hard, like you said, to find any sort of negative. E- even when the, when both Brinson and Harrison have been on the field, there's been little things here and there that they've been a part of as there's been comebacks, as there's been great defensive plays. So, you know, looking at this team sitting at 8-4, and four, now coming home, you got your first game at home tonight against the Braves in a three-game series where the winner of this series will be sitting in first place, right? The way it will be controlling NL East destiny from this point out. What are your thoughts as the Marlins head into this series with Atlanta? Yeah, I, I think that Atlanta is missing a couple of their key players in Ronald right. Acuna and Ozzie Albies, so that would give them a little bit of a boost, I would say, on the Marlins side to be able to win. But look, Miami is still a lot of players down. Mm-hmm. And and I and I do still think it's going to be some time, and I hate to throw timelines on this stuff, but I do think you're looking at another week or two or maybe even more of getting most of these players back. So who, who Miami has at this point still on paper, even without Acuna and Albies, does not match up with the Braves or or no. some of these other teams too. But that hasn't mattered. And and the Marlins have won without having a lot of their guys. So I certainly think that there is an opportunity for them maybe potentially to take two out of three in this series. The Braves are a very good team when healthy. They're losing essentially two of their two fifths, three fifths of their rotation to start the season. Hamill, Soroka, and Fulton A, which all not there. Crazy. Two of their five best hitters for sure in Acuna and Albies. The Marlins have to keep pressing. They do, as Don Mattingly said, have to look at this as every game is not a development game. You're trying to win right now. And if and if their record was flipped, Jeremy, we would be having a different conversation. But Absolutely. it is not. They are right there. And and the Phillies look very vulnerable and the Mets look extremely vulnerable. And I know that Washington eventually is going to turn it up, and I and I think that there's certainly a chance that they could 
you know, win this division without a doubt. And the Braves could too, but Miami is within the striking range of the postseason. They have to play like it this weekend and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, this is a big series in that what what people have to remember is when we talk about the postseason, I think a lot of people still have in their heads division winners and a couple of wild cards. Guys, the top two teams from every division make the playoffs, and then there's two wild card spots. So if you go ahead and start beating up on your own division like the Braves here this weekend, that, that puts you in a very good position moving forward. And, you know, you mentioned specifically that the Marlins are still waiting to get a number of these players back. This morning, you tweeted out that Sandy Alcantara, you know, is getting a little bit closer. But what is the update for the Marlins in terms of where these 18 players stand at the moment? Yeah, at, at the moment, uh, today, Sandy Alcantara had a, uh, a physical to return to the team with the Marlins. And I got to say that there is, there's a lot of, I would say, murkiness, fuzziness, and confusion mm. as to what is required to get these guys back on a big league field. I have been in communication basically at every level at this point with the Marlins, with Major League Baseball, with the players' uh, representatives, and with the players themselves. And there is the notion that it's just simply these two negative tests that they take within 24 hours apart from each other, and that gets them back on the field. That is not always the case. Hmm. So it's so at this point, what we can say is that that certainly will help their situation, but Major League Baseball does hold the final vote, essentially, to say yes, that the player can return. And I don't know to this point that anybody has been allowed to return. And that's by with me saying return to Jupiter hmm. before they get to Miami. So Sandy is headed in the right direction. There is there is no question about that. But as we saw with Juan Soto, who couldn't get him, who couldn't get back on the field due to testing. And as we even saw in Miami, where Matt Joyce had no symptoms and was completely healthy and just waiting to come back in Jupiter and couldn't string together two negative tests. So it's going to be a little bit of a process. We're going to have to sort of stay tuned to this and stay on top of it. And I and I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of questions over the next month or so. Why is this guy not back? Why, how did this guy get back and this guy didn't? But this this virus is almost impossible to predict how guys are going to test. The testing process is also very complicated. So I know that doesn't give people a lot of information. All we can say at this point is that the players are feeling better, and that's the most important thing. Whether or not some, all, or none come back uh, is definitely a question, and we'll have to just follow this on a case-by-case situation. That's the best that I can tell you right now. As you just said, that's the big key, is just knowing that these guys are doing okay physically, right? Whether they get back to the ball field, whether it's in a week or a month from now, it sort of feels irrelevant to me as long as we know that they're doing okay in terms of their health and baby steps. Patience will be the key here for Marlins fans going forward. But this team does sit at 8-4, and four, so they head into tonight with the Braves. Craig, any last thoughts as, as we go into the series? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people have been focusing on the umpires, and, and clearly that has not gone well. But I would tell you that blaming losses on the umpires is talk for losers. Amen. Those games have not been determined on the balls and strikes. They have not been great, I will say that. And some have definitely gone against Miami, but they have gone against the Mets. They went against the Blue Jays, and I've been paying very close attention to this. Uh, I get it. It has not looked good, and it feels like if you're a fan of one side that all the calls are going against you. It is simply not the case. 
Uh, the, the umpiring has to get better for sure. It's going to be the same crew in Miami this weekend for the Atlanta Braves. We'll have to keep tabs on it and see. But to me, I don't think that the games have been won and lost uh, due to the umpires. Is it possible that some things have changed throughout and could have changed the perception of the game or the direction of the game? Of course. And then you could lead that to yourself to believe that wins and losses have come off that. But I don't think so. That's my opinion. Uh, The umpires have to get better. There is no question about that. It has been very inconsistent on both sides. And you saw the manager of the Marlins, Don Mattingly, you know, sort of give into it a little bit. But I could tell you the other managers feel the same way as well. The same questions are being asked on their Zooms like they are on Miami Zooms. I'm watching all of the post games uh, as part of my uh, daily stuff that I do with my other show, too. Uh, So uh, let's hope that it doesn't come down to the umpires. And I hope everybody enjoys the Marlins first weekend back at Marlins Park. Yeah, this is going to be a great one. Uh, Marlins and Braves tonight at 7-10, a three-game set starting tonight in Miami. We hope you all enjoy. Remember, as always, subscribe to this podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Swings and Mishes. Craig is at Craig Mish. I am at Jeremy Taché. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy the Miami Marlins opening weekend at Marlins Park. <laughs>